Welcome to the Consulta Cairo podcast, brought to you by the Australian Chiropractors Association. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. These podcasts are all about helping you find health and wellness in your life. On the podcast, you'll be hearing from various experts on a range of health-related topics. These experts will present the latest research and offer tips for you to self-manage health issues and maintain good health. You'll also learn a little about chiropractic and what role a chiropractor might have on your health team. And now, it's over to your host, Dr. Anthony Coxon. Welcome to the Consulta Cairo podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. Before we get into the podcast today, just remember, you can always hit the follow button to make sure you get access to these new episodes as they come forward. And of course, you can share the podcast with a friend. Today, we're talking about well-being in the workplace. When people think of health and safety in the workplace, they first think of dangerous work environments, whether it's working with heavy machinery, going down a mine, these sorts of things. Now, fortunately, occupational health and safety standards are considerably better today than they may have been years gone by. But even with these improved standards, there are still over 600,000 workplace injuries and illnesses that occur annually in Australia. When you account for both the healthcare costs directly and also loss in productivity, this amounts to a staggering $49.5 billion burden on the Australian economy. Now, one of the biggest costs relates to musculoskeletal disorders, and these include things such as injuries to muscles, tendons, ligaments, and joints. They may present as back pain, shoulder pain, headaches, and, and many other pain syndromes. And let's not forget mental stress, which is also a big factor here, and we'll be uh, covering that aspect of it in the podcast today. So today we're talking about how you can improve your well-being in the workplace and prevent these types of injury. Of course, if you're an employer, we'll also cover some of the steps that you need to take to reduce injury in your workplace. Joining me on the Consulta Coro podcast today is someone who is very experienced in the area of workplace injuries and well-being, and it's indeed my pleasure to welcome chiropractor and ergonomist, Dr. Chris Webster. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the Consulta Coro podcast. Hi, Anthony. Looking forward to uh, imparting a bit of knowledge from 40 years of being in the uh, in, in this business. So where do we start? Well, well, let's start first of all by uh, asking, the, you know, why is it important that we have this conversation about well-being in the workplace? Uh, well, the most important reason is that uh, well-being in the workplace is you've just stated it. Forty-nine billion dollars is a lot of money. Now, it, it what they've what what we know from the research is that. Um, if we don't have well-being in the workplace, it costs us a lot in productivity and a lot of money in injury and workers' compensation costs. So I, if we, we'll just put it out in dollar terms, um, a, a recent study showed that uh, employers that spend a dollar on um, well-being in the workplace get a return of $5.81 back for every dollar invested. Now, Wow. That includes a 25% decrease in uh, absenteeism and about a 10% decrease in workers' compensation costs. So when you're talking to employers, you're talking about um, the bottom line. But employees need to know that it's important to make sure that 
you you do have well-being in in the workplace and that's a lot of, that's a lot of reasons why people don't stay in their jobs because they feel that their employer doesn't provide enough um, aspects of well-being in the workplace so one of the most important things is mental health and mental health is critical with uh, increases in injury rates. So we're talking if you're if 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 you don't have well-being in the workplace, you have stress. If you have stress, you're more likely uh, there's a higher incidence of uh, depression and anxiety. When you have that, you're more likely to get injured. And if you do become injured, you're much less likely to get well in a timely manner. So well-being in the workplace is critical. So what then are the professions that are most risk of these sort of work-related, and we'll, we'll keep it for the moment to the discussion around the musculoskeletal type disorders, understanding that they can have physical and mental triggers, but what are the professions most at risk? Okay, so um, what we do now is we look at uh, Safe Work Australia puts out uh, statistics in uh, workplace injury and uh, the most common occupation and industry is community and personal service workers. This is followed by machine operators and drivers, followed by labourers, and followed after that by technicians and trades workers, so tradies. People that work in these uh, industries are much more likely to get musculoskeletal disorders. And musculoskeletal disorders are troublesome because they are unpredictable in how long they will go on. And it's probably because there's a range of different ways they are being treated. So um, these work groups, community and personal service workers, machine operators, drivers, labourers, technicians and tradies get injured at a much higher rate than uh, other workers in the Australian economy. So let's break it down and maybe let's talk about uh, in work environments in three groups. Uh, those who often lift and bend being one, um, those who are often sitting or mostly sitting being two, and those who are mostly standing being three. And, and I think that first group, those who lift and bend often, seem to be the ones that are more prone. And when you're talking about your community service type workers, I guess you're talking about people who are managing other people such as in a nursing home or uh, a carer in someone's home uh, i can imagine that if you're lifting a person or or a, uh, or something like that that that's going to be creating potentially more problems than if you're lifting an inert object like maybe a, a tradesman or a laborer might do absolutely um personal care workers have one of the toughest jobs um because again, when you're dealing with people, you can tell them exactly what. If you're trying to put a per, get a person out of bed, or you're trying to put a person on a toilet, you will you'll say, "This is what we're going to do on the count of three lift." Those people may have dementia, and they may do exactly the opposite, and that leads to injuries to the personal care worker, but also injuries to the the client as well. So. Look, the first group, tradies, manual handling, um, labourers, community service, what's the most important tip? The, the, the most important tip to prevent injury is to maintain your 
personal health. And that means spinal and peripheral strength and flexibility, your core strength. You've got to maintain balance. Balance is critical. And people, you know, we spend a lot of time putting people on one leg to see how long they can last. They should be able to last 30 seconds on one leg. Balance is critical if you're going to stay safe and aerobic fitness. So if you can do that, then you've got to try and make sure that the work you're doing is safe. Um, so Lynn Fox has got a, an OHS um, mantra that says, take five. And that means that if you're doing something different, you need to take five minutes to look at how you can best do the work required without getting injured. That's what people need to do as well. So um, definitely working with uh, humans and animals like vets have a much tougher job than uh, tradies who are dealing with objects that they've got a fair idea of what they weigh and they know exactly what they're going to do. So yeah um, nurse group lifting is is an interesting one i think that's a really important point and it's actually something that i find myself often talking about with my clients is the importance of being fit to do your work and not just thinking about how you're doing the work so, but so those two things really are important but being fit for work having good spinal balance having good muscle tone having good balance as you said is a uh, are all really important things for everyone, but particularly for those in jobs where they're lifting. Let's talk about the second group now. What about the people who sit at a computer all day? What are the top tips for them? Okay. Um, top tips for, for them is that Homo sapiens weren't designed to not move. The only reason we live is because we move. So you've got to build movement into your day. We'll talk about um, a simple way to set up your workstation that places the minimal stress on your musculoskeletal system. But um, you've got to build in, you've got to get up um, intermittently, you've got to do postural exercises like bringing your chin in to uh, move that head back off your thorax. You've got to tighten the buttocks, you've got to um, uh, do pelvic floor exercises. All of those things increase your circulation and prevent varicosities, um, uh, clots, all those different things. So let's talk about the most important thing you can do when you're setting up your workstation is you've got to have a chair where the back can be elevated or lowered. The most important thing you can do for your low back and your neck spinal health is to get support for your lumbar curve which means you should be able to push your bottom under the bottom of your chair now once you've got mm. your backside under there you get um, good lumbar posture and you automatically get good upper body posture if you allow your buttocks to slide forward to the edge of the chair you slump in both areas and you put your spine under more stress so very first thing you can do is make sure you get that good lumbar support. And then the next thing you've got to do is make sure that your screen is, the top of the screen is level with your eyes. It, so that means if you've got a laptop, you use a laptop riser to get it up there. Or if you've got a, uh, a normal desktop, you can grab the ergonomous friend, which is reams of paper, and get that thing up so that you are sitting up tall and not slouching down. 
But perfect posture, no one maintains perfect posture all day. You must stretch, roll your shoulders, pull the shoulders back, um, do hamstring stretches. We teach truck drivers in trucks to lift their knee to their chest, to stretch their hamstrings because they're stuck in a truck, okay? Mm. So sitting is um, is bad, but you need to uh, find ways to get moving even though you're in a fixed position you mentioned about the laptop there and i guess this is really important because if as soon as you bring the screen up to that eye height of course that means that for you to type on the keys you're going to have your shoulders all elevated so if you're using a laptop for any extended period you really need to have a separate keyboard and mouse i would imagine absolutely critical yeah when the screen goes up there's no use trying to use the the key the keyboard on the laptop you must have an external usb connected keyboard so yeah absolutely critical they often talk about uh sitting as being the new smoking in terms of its impact not just on musculoskeletal health but overall well-being and there's been studies that looked at things like people who catch public transport to work versus people who drive and shown that the people who catch public transport have better overall well-being based on the fact that they're just taking more steps during the day. Um, so we now have the advent of uh, sit-stand desks where someone can either press a button or um, pull a lever and all of a sudden their desk elevates to a height that is suitable for them when they're, when they're standing. Um, but standing all day can also be a problem. It's really what we're after is movement and changes in posture. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the third group, the people who stand all day. And particularly I'm thinking if you say now you're, you've, you've elevated your computer to a standing desk, what do you need to think about if you're going to be standing for long periods of time? Well, uh, again, um, people working with machines, they're standing on, on concrete in, in floors. I go into many factories and uh, we, we look at ways that we can minimise stress on uh, spines and joints of people who are stuck in front of machines. But in a computer situation, if with a sit-stand table, you've got to be prepared to change it back to a sitting. So basically every half an hour, you might be going up, down or walking around. But if you are standing for long periods, there are certain tips. You can put a... Uh, couple of reams of paper on the floor and by putting your leg on there you take the stress off one leg and you can change that from one side to the other uh, again it's it's much easier to do stretches while you're while you're standing you can work on your hamstrings by touching your toes you can work on your quadriceps you can do lunges to stretch out the gluteals and the uh the, the femoral muscles like the psoas so movement is the key and uh shoulder rolls you know all those things are are, are critical but the, the the funny thing is that when one person gets a um sit-stand desk in an office everybody wants a sit-stand desk in the office yes. and then when they get the sit-stand desk you go in there six months later doing an ergonomic assessment and no one's using them but they've just spent a hundred thousand dollars on desks so um it is it's yeah there are there are funny 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 things that go on in offices we mentioned uh, at the outset about uh the stress factor and i just want to go back and uh, have a bit more of a chat about that look it's probably something for another podcast when we talk about how chronic pain can actually lead to changes in the brain and 
how we have to sort of be thinking not just about the physical side, but really delving into those sort of deeper neurological kind of changes. But more broadly speaking, is it that the stress that creates the physical problem or is it the physical problem that uh, leads to emotional stress or is it really just a combination of both? Look, it's a good point. Um, the leader in this field is a is a lecturer, a uh, occupational therapist from La Trobe called Jody Oakman, and she was talking about this particular aspect, which are uh, the way people work actually creates musculoskeletal disorders like neck pain, shoulder pain, back pain. So you, we're talking stress specifically causes the incidence of those injuries and the stress that Jody was talking about and now this is becoming much more commonplace within WorkSafe is that um, we're looking at psychosocial issues so it's the way employees feel if they feel like they have excessive workloads so I'll give you an example with that if you've got a community health worker that goes to a flat and they not only have to get the client out of bed, toileted, washed, but they have to clean the flat. They have to take them out shopping to get food. And then if they've got three clients in a day, they're running between different jobs. That is an excessive workload. Now, if you don't have an employer that you can talk to about that, the one way people develop problems is an injury can be a way out. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't mean they don't have an injury. I'm saying that the stress actually causes it. So conflicting demands and lack of role clarity. If you don't know exactly what's expected from your employer, you get stressed because it, it's just the way it is. That stress can turn into an injury. Um, lack of involvement in making decisions that affect the worker. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but basically... If you don't communicate with your employees as an employer, then work cover will fine you. And when, when the workplace inspectors come in, if you can't show them evidence of how you communicate with your employees, you will get a PIN notice. And if you don't act on that pro provisional improvement notice, you'll get fined. So you've got things like uh, safety meetings. You've got things like toolbox talks. You've got things like safety walks where you walk around and you look for hazards. You've got notice boards. All these things are evidence that is required that you are communicating with your employees and listening to the people that are doing the work and actually getting injured. So a couple of these other psychosocial influences are lack of influence over the way a job is done, poorly managed organisational change and job insecurity. All these Stressful actions lead to musculoskeletal disorders, which lead to increased costs and trouble for employers and for workers. Mm. Well, look, it really does sound like, um, you know, you mentioned earlier about uh, people, the employees taking responsibility for their own health in terms of being fit for work. And clearly that still has to be there. But um, there's obviously a... Um, a legal responsibility for, from the employer. And it just makes sense, you know, better productivity comes uh, when people are looking after well-being in the workplace right across the board. Absolutely. I want to ask now just uh, obviously where chiropractors, what, what role does a chiropractor play in helping to manage and prevent work-related musculoskeletal disorders? 
Um, chiropractors play a critical role because chiropractors have always known that the best thing you can do when you've got um, a, an injury, say a low back injury or a neck injury, is keep in your life. Don't stop and rest. You need a little bit of rest, but you need to maintain your activity. And this is a critical thing in the successful rehabilitation of workers and rapid return to work. Um, it used to be that you'd go to your GP and the GP would say, well, how long do you want off? That is absolutely the worst thing to do in relation to getting rid of a musculoskeletal disorder. Work is good for us. It's good for us, providing they're not doing any of the things that we just discussed, but work is necessary for us to not feel stressed. We feel like we're putting something into our life and it helps us forget about our injuries. The chiropractor can fix those problems. They can get those joints rehabilitated. Chiropractors with five years of university training, are well acquainted with the causes and the rehabilitation of um, a wide variety of musculoskeletal disorders. So you've just got to have the treatment. You've got to do the exercises, get strong with take the advice of the chiropractor and stretching and exercises and get back to work. It's the best thing to do to get over an injury. The worst thing you can do, as they've found, is to have unnecessary imaging unnecessary imaging tends to show up uh, like mris um they show up stuff that makes us think we're unwell and we require mm. you know surgery and all these all these bits and pieces as we get older of course we're going to have some wear and tear in joints and that unfortunately shows up in mris so the main thing is if you've got an injury, you want to get that injury fixed and you want to learn about what caused it, how, and the chiropractor will tell you how to prevent have, having it happen again and what you need to do in your personal health to strengthen your body so that you don't get injured again. That's fantastic. And I think that uh, really underplays um, that whole fear avoidance behavior. Not only do you feel disengaged from the community and your social life, which is so much around work anyway, a lot mm -hmm. of us have our social experiences in that work environment, but when you're not moving your body and you start to lose confidence in your body by not engaging in, in, in you know safe activities, then you move less, you move less, you fear more, and the problem just gets worse. And this isn't something that is new we've known about this for decades now and uh, i think you really uh underline that a point uh point really well um i just want to talk a little bit about uh, actual work cover and how that works in the chiropractic uh profession if someone gets injured in in the workplace there there are options for them to to, to seek care yeah um under under victoria's um workplace laws the patient has the ability to choose the rehabilitation provider. Now that means they can choose a chiropractor, a physio, an osteo. So sometimes people come in that I haven't seen for a year and they'll say, oh yeah, they said I couldn't go to a chiropractor. So that it's totally up to the injured worker who they see. Now WorkSafe doesn't accept 
massage without referral, but chiropractors, physios, and osteos um, don't require a referral. It's up to the patient can make that choice. They can go to their trusted professional. So WorkSafe overall has got a, um, a duty to manage the workers' compensation system. They also provide enforcement. So um, I've got a degree in um, uh, OHS. I'm a registered auditor. And what I do is install OHS management systems into companies, and then I audit them so that they can um, make, reach a standard. So the, the, the current gold standard in uh, OHS now is ISO 45001, and that's what a lot of companies are, are desiring to get that um, tick because it's good for business. So safety makes money, but there's plenty of employers out there that don't have that opinion, and that's where people get injured and sometimes die. Um, so your average chiropractor um, is very good at treating injuries and is a critical part of the rehabilitation team. Um, WorkSafe, the way they work is they set a rate, employers pay them a percentage of their payroll according to their deemed level of risk. That goes to, to WorkSafe state and then the companies have are insured by about eight um, accepted insurers. The, the first week's wages are paid by the employer, and then after that, all um, wage expense and treatment and rehabilitation expense is paid by um, work cover. So each state administers their own um, work cover or work safe. There's Comcare, which uh, looks after Commonwealth employees. So we're talking Army, ATO, those sorts of, and then you've the, the last type of um, workers' compensation management is self-insurers, and they are large companies like um, West Farmers. Um, you know, they, they run Bunnings and they run um, mining areas. So they, they, they make so much money that they take over the role as the insurer. So that's that's how it works in Australia. One of the things, Chris, that I often have, uh, the conversations that I have with my patients in terms of understanding how WorkSafe works is to compare it to motor car insurance. They'll cover you when you crash your car, but they don't cover you to maintain and look after your car. And, of course, a lot of people who have had a workplace injury will recover to the point what they were prior to the injury but still might need ongoing focus or care to really keep their body fit for work, as you as you mentioned, and and that's where it switches from a a work cover or a work uh, safe problem to more of just a a private relationship with your chiropractor or with your uh, exercise physiologist or whoever it might be. But look, I think we've covered a lot of stuff today, uh, Chris. Thank you so much for your time and for your uh, wisdom. Uh, I think a lot of people have got a, a lot of great information there. It's been a pleasure, Anthony, and uh, hopefully we'll do another one uh, on OHS. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, okay. that's it for me. Thanks for listening. If you or a loved one would like to consult with an ACA accredited chiropractor to discuss a work-related musculoskeletal disorder 
or indeed any other health issue, simply go to www.chiro.org.au. I hope this podcast has been helpful in your quest for optimal health, and I look forward to chatting with you again on our next Consult a Cairo podcast.